you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, Move the Sticks. 10 takeaways from week 15. With Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Six, presented by AARP. DJ Rhett Bucky is going to join us as well from over in England. And uh, Bucky then coming back home, I believe, this evening, Rhett. We get Bucky oh, back man. on the home team. Here. He is back uh, just in time for the big Senior Bowl reveal show, which is coming up uh, tomorrow uh, right here. The Move the Sticks podcast, the official reveal home of the Senior Bowl rosters this year. Pretty excited about it. that as well. Yeah, I've got a chance to look at that list. You guys are going to be intrigued by some of the names that show up, especially the quarterback position. Yeah. It's going to be a very, uh, very intriguing group there at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl down there in Mobile, Alabama. So that'll be coming tomorrow. But, Red, I, I say we just jump right in, man. We've got, uh, we've got 10 takeaways to unleash. And it started to me, the first takeaway, maybe the biggest storyline of the entire weekend, and that is the 49ers losing a heartbreaker. Julio moves in motion. He's right behind Hooper. Watched by Emmanuel, by Mosley. And here he is throwing a crossing around. Caught! But they tackle him on the goal line. Is he short? I think he's down 
say he's short. They say he's short, and the 49ers have won the game for now. For now. Yeah, those are two small words, yet very big words for now, because on the play, that play you saw right there, you're listening to, thought it was going to go in the 49ers' favor. They had Julio Jones stopped short of the goal, but as you'll hear in this next call, things would change. Here's Rolstad with the move. The runner possessed the ball and broke the plane. Therefore, it is a touchdown. 49ers lose. Two seconds to go. Falcons explode. Game is not over, but very nearly. Ah, I love the sound effect. Yeah, it's a little, little, yeah, a little bit, little different tune there. And look, Rhett, this is a this is a game. It was fascinating when you watch the end of it because a lot more was expected of this Falcons team than what we've seen. And everybody's kind of long presumed that Dan Quinn was going to lose his job. But man, you watch Matt Ryan just kind of dice up this 49er defense on that last drive. You saw what made him an MVP at one point in time. A team that was this close to winning a Super Bowl. There's still a lot of pieces in place, and I thought really exposed some issues on the back end of the 49ers that are troubling. Yeah, look, I get you there for sure. I mean, this is a couple of weeks now where this 49ers defense is really kind of falling on hard times, especially in the second halves of games at the tail end of games, as we saw uh, down in the Superdome and then this week as well. And, and look, I think on, on the offensive side of the things, it, they didn't wow us quite as much as we saw in the game down in New Orleans. I mean, obviously Kittle being targeted early and often, um, you know, was both a positive, maybe in a negative, depending on how you look at it. Like he was really the only thing they had going on offense, but I don't really have a problem with that because you look on the other side, Julio Jones was targeted 20 times. He caught 13 for 134, yeah. just like Kittle and two touchdowns and they won. So I don't have a problem with feeding your best playmaker as much as possible, you know, as long as it comes in the framework of uh, it's the best thing for you to get a win. So look, I, do you read anything into the familiarity that, that Dan Quinn might've had with a, a Kyle Shanahan offense since they, you know, obviously were on the same staff in the Super Bowl? No, I mean, I think that works both ways, yeah. right? You could say the same argument about Shanahan being very familiar, and they run that same defense there with the 49ers. The, the right. Falcons run a very similar defense. So both these teams, familiarity worked, works each way. But, uh, you know, I just look at it. When you watch that, the end of this ball game, rushing four, they were still able to generate some pressure. Both had a couple pressures on that drive, but just playing really, really soft in the back end. I, yeah. I like to see them get a little more aggressive and try and challenge a little bit more. Uh, too easy for a veteran quarterback just march that thing right down the field. You know, the only question I have now uh, about the Falcons is like, where's this been from Julio Jones all year? Like, if you can truly target yeah. him 20 times and have him catch it 13 times, like, they're every game he should be targeted 12 times with eight catches. Like, every single, if you can find those types of holes against the 49ers defense, why can't you figure that out uh, week in and week out? Uh, I mean, it's, I, I get it's easier said than done, but um, I do feel like Dan Quinn might, might, might just be doing enough to earn himself another look here as the That's Falcons what I'm wondering. Head, yeah. That's what I'm, I always, I always want to remind people that everyone wants to fire somebody, but who are you going to get? Who right. are you going to get that's better? Right. Um, that's going to have a better track record and is going to know the lay of the land like he does. Um, I wouldn't be so sure that, uh, that that's done there. I would keep an eye on the Falcons and what they do going forward. I do know if that job does pop open, it'll be the most attractive because of the pieces that they have in place there. And a quarterback. It could be a very quick yeah. uh, turnaround. All right. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get to the next takeaway. And this is uh, where Bucky has something for us there from England. This is a version of the Dallas Cowboys that has Jerry Jones envisioning his team making a deep run in the postseason. Hand off to Pollard. He breaks three tackles. He's down the left sideline to the 20, to the 10, and Pollard's going to walk the dog. How about, how about Tony Pollard? 
the way the Cowboys played against the L.A. Rams, if they are able to duplicate this style, they'll have a chance to win a ton of games going into the playoffs. Running game was established. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard combined for 264 rushing yards. Dak Prescott was efficient. But more importantly, the defense came up big. Because they were able to play with the lead, they were able to sit back, harass the Rams, knock their receivers around, generate some turnovers. If the Cowboys are able to play like this, look for them to make a deep postseason run. Mm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, listening to Bucky talk about that, Rhett, I, I think when you get the Dallas Cowboys at their best, I mean, they can play with anybody, and yeah. they're as good as anybody. The talent is there. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for them, but the thing with them is they, if they can just find their way into the tournament, they'll be a dangerous team. I, I really do believe that because they can play physically on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Now, some games it doesn't show up. I understand the frustration uh, with fans there, but in this one, you got a chance to see what this Dallas Cowboys team can be at their best, which kind of launches us forward into to next week against the Philadelphia Eagles in a huge matchup. Um, I, I just think when you look at the Cowboys at their best, Eagles at their best, I think the Cowboys are better right now when you take into account all the injuries and, and everything else going on in Philly. Exactly, and uh, we'll get to Philly, obviously, here in just a little bit. But for Dallas, how often have we said when the offensive line dominates – the Cowboys as a team can dominate. And there were times, I mean, it was yeah. a couple of takeaways this season that uh, that you had about this team on this podcast. Look, the Cowboys offensive line just got beat. And we don't say that very often about this team. We haven't said that very often about this team in the past couple of years. So the questions then are, why does this brand of football disappear for Dallas? And then how do you unlock it on a weekly basis? Do you Do you have an answer to that? I don't know. I don't know how to how to, uh, to put my finger on it. I mean, you right? look at the game against Buffalo um, and just look. That's a good defense, but just they got out physical. Um, yep. I think getting I think getting the football in your best players' hands though, and that resides in the back, in the backfield right now. And I think when they're featuring Zeke and he's rolling like this, and Bucky mentioned Pollard going over 100 yards as well. I, I would be remiss though if we don't mention one of the worst tackling performances from a defense I've seen all season long from the Rams. Uh, it was yeah. awful. You yeah. heard in the call there a couple missed tackles. We'll, sh- we'll talk about it in the aftermath. Yes, I'll show you some more where every big play, unblocked defenders, just, just falling off tackles. And, and that, though, is the way the Cowboys want to play. When they feature their run game, feature their backs, not even just in the run game, just getting the ball to their hands out in space, some in the passing game as well, they're at their best. It, you know what it felt like? It felt like what the Rams did to the Cowboys in the playoffs last year with Todd Gurley and with C.J. Anderson, yeah. both running the football down their throats. I mean, and for the Rams, you, you hit on it with the missed tackling. This kind of continues this theme of Jekyll and Hyde defense. Like, they could be really good on defense, yeah. which we've seen. And then they'll have games like this one. Games like the Ravens, not given, you know, these are two good running football teams, but um, that's something that obviously, look, it's going to be a long shot now for the Rams to make the playoffs. I mean, they got to win out no matter what, and they got two really tough teams uh, lying ahead here in these final two weeks. So, um, look, I I feel like the door is closing if it isn't shut already on the Rams, but when they look back at it, lack of consistent run game and a consistently solid defense will be two of the reasons why. Uh, No doubt. All right, get us to our next takeaway. Carson Wentz showcases some late-game magic once again. Wentz under center. Wentz firing, and it is caught. Is it a touchdown? Is it a touchdown? It is caught in the fourth quarter of the end zone. It is a touchdown, and they are surrounding as the pass goes deep into the end zone to Greg Ward. A great pass by Wentz, and a great catch by Ward. Greg Ward, where have you been all our lives? (laughs) 
Where have you been? All our, I'll tell you where Greg Ward has been, uh, just real quick. Uh, how about he's been it? on the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been a stud quarterback at the University of Houston, right? He was an undrafted free agent wide receiver, practice squad, AAF. You might have called one of his games, DJ. Uh, then practice squad again. <laughs> called up just three weeks ago. Makes, makes his first career catch three weeks ago and then goes four catches, 40 yards uh, in the clutch on that final drive for the Eagles that gets them the win. Now, let me go back to the, to the original point the tagline of the takeaway here. What do we ask of our elite quarterbacks? Raise the level of play of the, of the guys around you and be at your best when your team needs you the most. I think you can say those two things about Carson Wentz the last two weeks. Has the competition been subpar? Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. But those you still have to make those plays, and he is making the plays for the Eagles. With their playoff hopes on the line here, he has given you that elite level in the last two weeks. He's rediscovered it. Uh, depleted core targets, they make the plays to get it done. So, you know, does the lack of top-end talent, though, make them less likely to win a game in the playoffs? Probably, but with Carson Wentz playing this way, I don't know if I'm going to bet against them, DJ. It's fascinating because when you look at all the injuries that they've had, and not just in their weapons, but you talk about the offensive line and, and Lane Johnson being in and out of the lineup. Jason Peters has been hurt. Carson Wentz has got 26 touchdowns, seven picks. He's got 34 over 3,400 yards. So he's having a really solid season considering everything that's been missing around him. But um, I'm with you on him being able to elevate the play of those around him. And I also uh, am enjoying the fact they're getting Miles Sanders. Yeah, thank goodness. Up. That was the next more part, right? In this offense. They needed to unleash him. He's their best backfield option. He has been all season long. And now they're starting to really feed him. And uh, we'll talk about this one on the aftermath as well. Just the vision that he displayed uh, was on was on uh, full display in yeah. this one. It was outstanding. Um, he's got a great feel for it. He brings some juice to the backfield. And that's going to be a key member of this team going forward. Now, they need to get younger up front there's some other things they need to do on this roster uh out receiver position you're going to see an overhaul here in the offseason but man miles sanders is a keeper yeah no question my fantasy team thanks doug peterson thanks carson wentz and everyone for that game plan that featured miles sanders (laughs) uh to keep me alive uh, and i'm sure a few of you out there as well all right dj hit us with number four all right the minnesota vikings they have themselves a championship defense and Philip Rivers with the bolt on his helmet. Back to pass. He dropped the ball. He's about to be picked up by a Viking. Bouncing around. Evonio Denebo has it. He's to the 50, to the 40. Evonio Denebo is loose. Touchdown! A 56-yard defensive touchdown by Evonio Denebo. That play right there was a key play, as you saw where they were on the field, Red. This is a Chargers team losing 12 to 10 in field goal range. Chance to kick a field goal, take the lead, going into the half. They get the ball coming out in the third quarter. They get the fumble return for a touchdown. You come out of the break. Melvin Gordon fumbles on the first play. That Those were two of seven turnovers forced by the Minnesota Vikings in this football game. You're never going to lose. And as bad as that score was, it could have been worse because the Chargers defense held them to some field goals after uh, really, really short fields they inherited after turnovers. But I look at this defense, and I look at a front that's capable of getting after the quarterback. 
the linebackers, especially Eric Kendricks, is they're phenomenal in coverage, which you're going to need when you get in the postseason. You start looking at some of the backs you're going to have to cover, tight ends. Um, that's going to be key. Now, offensively, they're conservative. They're efficient. They run the football. Kirk Cousins uh, not going to put the ball in harm's way. Very few turnovers. Had one on a screen in this game. But uh, this is a team, Rhett, when you look at it, with the way their yeah. defense is capable of playing, they, they, they've got a chance to win the whole thing. And I, I know it, there's a lot of good teams you have to go through in the postseason, but they're, they match up when they're at their best defensively. They're going to be in every game. Yeah, I want to hone in on one of the players uh, responsible for some of that havoc that the Chargers offense had to deal with in this game. That's Daniil Hunter. Uh, first career game with two plus oh, yeah. force fumbles in this game, but it's not just the plays he makes as the principal on one of those big plays. Like, yes, he pancaked the right tackle on that force fumble from Odenabo, uh, f- did force yeah. the fumble, and then Odenabo picks it up. And who makes the key block to spring Odenabo on the touchdown, on the return? It was Daniil Hunter. There you go. So he gets back yeah. up and he's still, it's, you know, it is those, it's the splash plays, but it's also the little things that contribute to those, and he certainly does all of that. And here's the other thing that I want to focus in on, the seven takeaways. All right, that's tied for fifth most in a game in Vikings history. Fifth most? Like, how many turnovers did they force? <laughs> to How many do you have to get to get number one? I, I, I do know this. I do know this. We thought it would have been a record for the Chargers calling the game. It wasn't. In 1979, uh, James Harris was filling in for Dan Fouts, and they had 11 turnovers <laughs> in a game in 1979. Think Stop about it. that. 11. Oh, my God. All right. So wait, here's crazy. the second part that's crazy. Um, the Vikings have forced seven takeaways 13 times, but they've only won the game yeah. Eight times in those 13. They're eight and five yeah. when they force How seven. How is that possible? How do you lose five games when you force seven turnovers? That's really bad luck, I guess. Goodness gracious. Uh, um, yes. So. Uh, pretty nuts. Yeah. Pretty nuts. But that, that was a team. Now, look, they've got they've got the Packers, and we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. But yeah. uh, this is a Minnesota Vikings team. I think they're, they haven't played great on the road throughout the year, but I do think they have the pieces in place where they could uh, travel with the, the run game, with the defense. So uh, the we'll Dalvin Cook happens. thing could be big. Well, obviously, we got to we got to pay attention to that. That didn't didn't look good when we saw him go down. You obviously you saw it in person. Uh, seemed like he was in a, a good deal of pain there. Hopefully he can kind of figure things out uh, and, you know, not put the oxygen mask on his ear. I don't know if you guys saw that as well. That was really, that was a, that was a really funny scene uh, from the game, but certainly hoping for the best for Dalvin That's Cook. Funny. He's a big piece of what they, uh, what the playoff plans could be uh, for the Vikings. All right, let's, uh, let's get out to Bucky for the next takeaway. He's got something going on there in the, uh, in the NFC South. Jameis Winston continues to take the Buccaneers on a wild roller coaster ride. It is first down 10 from the 34. Play action fake. Rolling to the right. Pass to the end zone. Receiver over. Caught. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Rashad Perriman on a perfect throw. Bad throw and all from Jameis Winston. Early in the game, we saw him throw another interception. A guy who throws a ton of interceptions. But he responds back another 400-yard game. Four touchdowns, continues to lead one of the more explosive offenses in the National Football League. And the thing that you have to wonder if you're Bruce Arians, on a weekly basis, the Jekyll and Hyde act that you deal with Jameis Winston, you have to be pleased that he always bounced back, but he gives the other team so many opportunities. I don't know how you manage it, but at the end of the day, he is the first NFL player in history to have back-to-back games with over 450-plus passing yards. He continues to light up the scoreboard. This offense flows when he is the director. I think you just have to look at him and understand that he's a high-risk, high-reward player, but it's working. The Buccaneers continue to roll with an up-and-down quarterback. 
Well, I mean, Rhett, you look at the numbers now. 4,500 yards, 4,570. He's going to have, he's gonna have 5,000 passing yards this year. He's got yeah. 30 touchdowns, 24 picks. The uh, you know the, My hope for the 30-30 season, wanting to see that, I don't know if, that's, I, if it's I, possible if he can get six, but you never know uh, coming down these last two games. They're on fire, man. They won, yeah. what, four in a row? Um, they're playing good football. They're finding ways to win games, and and it is it is explosive. Whatever you think about the turnovers, and you try and get beyond that, you cannot deny this is an explosive offense. Right, and look, I still think the best option for the Bucks and for Winston here is to go the franchise tag route next year, because like I I, I j- you know, and, and the other side of it is um, so like at this point, I feel like the Bucks should in pregame bring their defense out, their number one defense, and let him, let him just throw a couple to him and just get that early one out of the way because then he finds his focus and he has shown he can be one of the best quarterbacks in football at times. We just need to maximize those times and limit the times where you're like, oh my God, we can't play with this guy because there's both. So, yeah. you know, we've had this conversation, I feel like for eight straight weeks now and, and, there's no definitive answer either way yet. So I feel like the franchise tag route is still the best way for them to go. Get another year to kind of figure things out. Um, keep him around. I, I just, you know, I, I don't know at this point that they're going to be, you know, in the market for a quarterback come draft time, at least not in the first round with wherever they're going to end up being uh, picking as far as the top quarterbacks. Um, so, look, I, I think, you know, you got to stick with what you know. And I, I think you know what Jameis Winston is now. How do you work around it? Uh, and that'll be their task next year. On the other side, DJ, um, for the Lions, like they are falling apart. And I get it. You're playing with oh, David. Oh, man. You're playing with David Blau, you know, your number three quarterback. But then, you know, you've seen, I, I, we've seen what the Pittsburgh Steelers have been able to do on defense with a number three quarterback, a number four quarterback, really, the way they started the season, Devlin Hodges. And I think that's what we kind of expected out of a Matt Patricia-led defense, right, was that they were going to be able to win some games on the strength of their defense and their strategy. And they've got some good players over there. I know they've been banged up a little bit uh, as well. So I don't know what to make of the Lions either. And uh, I don't know how much patience there is within that organization moving forward as well. Yeah, I, I don't think it looks good, and I know you're you're down a quarterback. But when you look at even the wins they've had, I think their wins are all real nail biter, you know, wins. Yeah, kind of, you know, some of their the losses too early. Person, but that was one. Right, they've fallen off the yeah, tracks. Yeah, but here. I'm just saying, like, there's this is not this is not a uh, this is not a you know hard luck team here that's been blowing people right. out and then losing close games. Like right. that's that's not the case. So um, we'll see what happens here going into the off season. It's yeah. a tough, it's a tough blow with the Stafford situation, but you're right. Other yeah. teams have lost quarterbacks and found a way to stay in it. And this team, um, it just hadn't happened, man. And getting blown out like this, just a bad look. Hey, one last thing here. Um, you know, uh, Ozzy really well, um, with the Ravens and he took Brashad Perryman in the first round with the Ravens a few years, four years yeah. ago now. Are we starting to see some of the reasons why? Uh, I mean, he, with Mike Mike Evans out, he's proven that he can he can be a, a pretty good player. It looks like I mean, he caught two touchdowns in this game. You know, is it is, is there something to be said? It's his fourth year in the league. It's his third team. D- does does it take longer? I mean, like, do you have patience to give a guy that long to kind of figure things out? Well, to me, I think he's a scheme fit. You yeah. know, he's a scheme fit for what Bruce Arians wants to do. He's not a good route runner. He's he's just a, a straight line explosive player who, you know, look at Bruce Arians' history and what is he like and who does he 
uh, you know, like to use at the wide receiver position, what skills does he covet? It's what Bashad Perriman has and what he does. Right. Ironically, I think with the way the Ravens offense is now, with how probably it's be better. Yeah, Bashad Perriman actually would fit. Would yeah. actually fit there now. Yeah. So um, sometimes he's not. He just is not a scheme diverse guy. He's not somebody right. that would have fit anywhere he went, and it wasn't a good fit there. I think it's an important uh, distinction to make. I think uh, he's found a nice little home for himself there in Tampa. We like to see that. All right, I'll get us to our next takeaway here, and that is that the Texans are one step closer to the AFC South crown. First to goal at the 10, split bats. Watson in the gun. Watson hands off to Hyde, running to the left. Carlos has the five. Carlos to the pylon. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. 10-yard TD run. El Guapo for the lead. El Guapo for the lead. Uh, Nice. Yeah, some big tests here down the stretch for Houston in these last couple weeks. They failed a couple, uh, as we saw with the Ravens game and then with the Broncos game. But with the Patriots, they get the win there. They come back in a must-have on the road against Tennessee, and they get the win here. Take care of your division, and uh, they're doing that here, as they've proven this week. The defense stepped up in a big way in this game early on when it was kind of going back and forth here. Tannehill had them in position for a score, and Whitney Merciless picks off a pass uh, off a deflection here and then returns it deep into Tennessee Titans territory. Uh, as you're seeing. And, and this is where I felt the game start to swing a little bit because a couple of plays later, uh, Deshaun Watson ends up finding Kenny Stills for a touchdown, ended up finding Stills twice. And you're going to see one of those uh, on the aftermath a bit later in an XO you're doing, um, which I'm excited to see because I feel like with Stills and Fuller healthy, and with a commitment to Carlos Hyde, which we heard from uh, very eloquently from Mark Vandermeer there on the radio call, um, the Texans offense is a force. It's a force to be reckoned with when they can run the run the ball with Carlos Hyde. They've got a really good receiver trio because Will Fuller's speed gives them so many options, makes them so much more dangerous. And then Kenny Stills is a really good third piece to that uh, wide receiver trio. I, I still think this team is going to be a tough out in the playoffs. And I think Kenny Stills was kind of viewed almost like a throw in. It really Kenny was. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Uh, he has been a really good pickup there. I think he's got, what, over 500 yards receiving. He's got four touchdowns uh, this year. But the speed element, when you have Deshaun, or when you have Hopkins, sorry, when you have Nuke Hopkins on yeah. one side, you know he's going to get all the attention. And so when you have speed opposite of him, when you have with two guys uh, with Fuller and Stills, they're going to get man coverage, and you're going to be able to find, when you look at teams matching up with wide receivers, you go three wide, you're going to see three corners out there. Very few teams have three corners that can really, really run. And so you're going to get a matchup there with one of those two guys that you like, and they've been able to take advantage of that down the field with some deep shots. Also, I'd add the offensive line played pretty well in this game, yeah. uh, protecting uh, Deshaun Watson, keeping him upright, and then also his ability to extend plays. When you go through the tape, I actually pull out the phone on the stopwatch because a couple of these times, it's you're talking six seconds you're asking these guys to hold coverage, yeah. and you get scrambles, and it's just... That is a tall ask for your secondary. So this team who pushed all their chips into the table when they made that trade to go get Laramie Tunsil, they're all in uh, yeah. right now. So to me, this is uh, this is a I feel almost a little bit of desperation here with this group. They've got to get to the postseason. They've got to make some hay in the postseason this year. They committed to it. No, I think you're right. And the last thing I'll say about the Texans uh, last year, I felt like they. They just ran out of bodies at wide receiver. They ran out of bodies at corner, and they were never as good as they are right now up front on the offensive line side. Now, just to, you, you talked about corners and how difficult it is to find three corners. Look at the talent that they've acquired at corner in Houston. They've got Gary and Conley they traded for this year. They have Vernon Hargraves. 
Uh, Lonnie Johnson was their second round pick this year. They've got the old standby and Jonathan Joseph and then Bradley Roby also who's been a bit banged up uh, at times this year. That's four first round picks yeah. and a second. Now, look, I get that a lot of those guys are, are Texans now for a reason. Uh, the previous team felt it yeah. was OK to move on from them. But, Underachieved. But yeah. there's some depth there that they're building, whereas if one of those guys goes down, it's not the whole thing's going to fall apart. Uh, so I think that's interesting as we get get into the postseason as well. Well, they need him to hit because they got no draft picks. Right. <laughs> so we'll see, right, right. We'll see how this goes down the stretch here. This is their draft class. Yeah. All right, let's keep the train moving here. Josh Allen for the Bills. He might not be the perfect quarterback, but he is the perfect quarterback for Buffalo. 16 seconds left. Here's the snap. Hodges looks, looks, runs to his left, directing traffic, fires it into the end zone. It is picked off. It is intercepted. It is picked up by the Bills. That should do it. Levi Wallace comes up with a pick. His teammates surround him down in the end zone. Interception for the Bills with six seconds left. Wallace comes up with a pick. The Bills are going to the postseason. Cool. Yeah, you heard the, the call there on the defense, generating four, intercep four interceptions in this game. And I talk about Josh Allen, you talk about the defense, it all goes together. It's a complimentary team. It's built, they have a formula, we've talked about it all year long. Protect the football, get a couple explosive plays. Josh Allen can make a couple of those splash plays. You know, not going to wow you, he's not going to complete, you know, 80% of his balls, but he did hit some big shots to John Brown down the field, and the defense, they're going to win a lot of these type of games just because they turn you over and they've done it all year long. And look, I think you hit it, hit the nail right on the head with your tagline there. Josh Allen is the perfect quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. It's not going to be the prettiest offense you've ever seen. It's not going to be the, you know, the K gun with John, with Jim Kelly back in the days of the early nineties and the late eighties. But this is the perfect complement to a physical defense and a defense that will always keep you in games. By the way, a defense that has probably one of the best corners now in football. You heard Collinsworth wax poetic about it oh, all, all night long. Number two. Tredavious White. Uh, and we might see both of those corners, both of the top two corners in football square off head to head this week and Stefan Gilmore for the Patriots and for the Bills, Tredavious White. And, um, I, you know, I, I'll mention it on the aftermath as well later today, but how, how much does it say about the Bills that I feel like one of the biggest tests that will help us learn about the Patriots will come this week against the Bills and that the AFC East is not completely yeah. sewn up just yet. I think that's a real credit to what Buffalo has built there. Uh, Kim Jones mentioned it in our production meeting. Uh, they have built a culture there that she said other teams that she covers have been trying to build. They've got it right now in Buffalo, and we gave them a hard time. Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott, and we gave them a hard time when they were letting all that talent walk out the door, sending them all on their ways. You know, remember the the three the three day one starters that walked off the bus in uh, Doug Whaley's final draft class. There, uh, a lot of those guys were sent packing. You know, Marcel Darius sent packing, a former you know top five pick in this league. And you're like, what are they doing over there? All this talent is leaving. Well, they were building something, and the ownership group should be given credit for giving them the time and the opportunity to go ahead and do that and uh, for them to get their second playoff appearance um, in three years with Sean McDermott is pretty special um, on the flip side the Steelers can win out and still get into the playoffs um, but they can't run the ball 15 times and have Duck Hodges throw it 38 times no that's that just can't no, happen. and they were never down that big in this game that's why I'm trying to figure it out I get you were trying to limit James Conner and his first game back from the shoulder injury but there are other guys that you can hand it off to right 
No doubt. And look at the, what they have left. They're at the Jets, at the Ravens. I guess maybe their hope is the Ravens have it all sewn up at that point in time, right. and maybe they rest. But that's uh, – trust me, Baltimore would love nothing more if that were the final punch to, <laughs> to knock, knock out the again. Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers out of the playoffs. Uh, that Trust me, they would get a kick out of that. So, no, it's that was a very, very bizarre play calling in that one just in terms of how they did it. But I, I want to add the last point before we move on to the next one. Um, and that is having your coach and your GM on the same page, and those guys have a relationship in Buffalo like dating that. back to Carolina. Yep. I think that's a key part of it as they've been able to turn this thing around uh, there in Buffalo. All right, what's Great next? Great point. Next up, the Patriots turned it on in Cincinnati. Now, how do they move on from Cincinnati? Dalton takes the snap, fires to the right, pass yeah. every intercepted by Gilmore, goodbye. Gone to the 50, left sideline 40, to the 30. Stephon Gilmore to the 10, en route to his second pick six of the season. Touchdown, Patriots! Gilly locked that one up. What, what an angle by Gilmore off this. Patriots show blitz late. Gilmore closes, it's a throw to the flat. Gilly Lock jumps it for a 64-yard touchdown. What a second-half start by him here. Woo! And there's that other corner we're talking about, Stephon Gilmore. Uh, I mean, yep. is he a defensive player of the year candidate? Absolutely, right? I mean, is he going to be the first one oh, since Charles Woodson me, to win it? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a real possibility. He's right there. He's right. He's right there. Yeah. Uh, so look, this is a win for the Patriots. Let's call it what it is. But does it do much to tell us what to expect from them moving forward? Yes, their defense got back to their big play ways, right? Forcing. Uh, Three turnovers on the first four possessions for the Bengals in the second half. Um, they ended uh, th- all three of the first four in the second half of the Bengals ended in picks. One of them was returned for a score. The other Bengals possession there that I was talking about was a punt. This game was over at that point. Uh, the special teams recovered a muff punt that turned into points in the end of the first half as well. But here's here's again where we're drawing the questions. Tom Brady, I think something like just over two yards per attempt which was the second lowest of his career. Wow. Um, you know, 128 I, yards. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, to say that they put up 34 points and Brady only threw for, you know, 128, whatever it was, is that's kind of crazy. Julian Edelman is banged up, and that's bad news because he, was, he has been legitimately all they have out there at receiver uh, for the last few weeks. Can he get healthy in time for a postseason run? Um, they did utilize the running back group a little more creatively and a little more than I think we've seen in, re- in recent weeks. James White, Sony Michelle had a pretty good day running the football. Rex Burke get in there as well. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned when we were talking about the Bills, what does it say about the Patriots team that we're going to find out a little bit more about them heading into week 16 in a game against a good Bills team uh, in a game and and at this point of a season where they have not sewn up the AFC East where it's not a foregone conclusion. So that's how I feel about the Patriots uh, at this point. The crazy thing is we, we can talk about all the flaws with this football team, and there are many on the offensive side of the ball. They sit at 11 and three. I mean, is that they're winning oh, football games. So lucky yeah. that you get to the point, you get to the point where that organization is where literally the national storyline is these guys stink <laughs> and they're 11 and three and they've got a chance if they can finish out the season here, get the number two seed. You're going to get a bye, get a good chance to get a little bit refreshed, get a little healthy. You're going to get two weeks to study an opponent. You feel good about Bill Belichick having a couple weeks there. You're at home, probably in the snow in Foxborough. I mean, I don't care who rolls in there that game. You're probably going to feel good if you're the Patriots. And then in all likelihood, you're going to get a rematch with the Baltimore Ravens and you're in the Super Bowl. I mean, that that's what's that's what's so crazy as flawed and as ugly as this is. They still have everything all in front of them. 
I mean, make no mistake. Like I, I'm not counting them out in the playoffs. They get a home playoff game. They are as good no. as good a thought as anybody to win in that situation. But it just doesn't feel like the teams that we've seen in the past, where they are clicking on all cylinders at this point in a season. Yeah. That's that's the only point that I got there. No doubt. All right, let's get to my ninth one here. And that was a fun battle between Heisman winning teams. A fun one to watch there with Kyler and Baker. 31 seconds to go in the half. Murray back to pass as time floats it right side corner of the end zone. And it is caught. Touchdown, Dan Arnold. The Cardinals really like him. They got him off waivers from the Saints, the former undrafted player out of Wisconsin. Platteville with his first catch as a Cardinal. It's a touchdown. There you go. Listening to uh, Kyler Murray do his thing there. And this is a game, Kenyon Drake running the football well. You look at Nick Chubb running the football well. Man, you want that to be able to support your young quarterbacks, but I thought when you just looked at the two between Kyler and Baker, I thought just a more a cleaner game there from Kyler, making some plays with his legs as well. Is it fair to like go back and just kind of combine these two drafts and just say, hey, if you gave all 32 teams an option uh, and all 32 teams needed a quarterback and Kyler and Baker were in the same draft and they had all had a shot at either one of them, that the majority of them would lean which way? Like, is uh, that Kyler a fair question? Majority of them. Yeah. Kyler would get is that, them. I mean, I think that is. I think you would. Be, you might be surprised, though. I think it, it right. might be a little bit close. You'll have some Baker people. Um, but I just think Kyler Murray, I look at them, and I saw you see some of the clips we're looking at right now. Man, the blueprint for this organization exists. And, uh, you know, I think he, you know, even Lamar's going to win the MVP this year. Yeah. But I think if you put them out on the field and had a throwing contest between Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray would win going that's, away. I mean, that's crazy to think about, right? Throw. He's just more consistent. <laughs> so to me, you go out, they're going to go hunting for tight ends. I would, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, I'd go out. I'd try and emulate a little bit. Don't take the whole offense because you can do some different things there. But I'd be trying to build and copy a little bit of what the Baltimore Ravens have done yeah. to incorporate Kyler a little bit more as a runner. He does. He's a more reluctant runner uh, than Lamar. He likes to sit back there in the pocket. But, man, you saw it a couple times when they went with the three-man backfield. Um, he took off. I mean, he's just got ridiculous athleticism. I'd like to incorporate a little more of that. Well, you hit on it, and that was one of my questions that I was going to have for you here about this game. What, what did the Cardinals need to do to be a 10-win team? You mentioned the tight ends. I think offensive line upgrade is pretty obvious as well. Uh, yes. And yeah. then, you know, like, what's your biggest priority on defense? Because you got a pass well, rusher, I mean, I Chandler you Jones, right? In the secondary. Yeah, you got to yeah. find you got to find another playmaker in the secondary. We'll see what happens with Patrick Peterson going forward. But they right. just need more blue chip players, really at all three levels. Just guys that can make plays. Um, that's what they're missing right now, in my opinion. But uh, they're going to get a chance. They'll have an off season here. If you look at the free agent list, and we got plenty of time to dig into that down sure. the road potentially some some intriguing tight ends uh, that could hit the marketplace. So to me, that would be the first place I'd look offensively to add them into the mix. I just left that game feeling more hopeful about the Cardinals than I did about the Browns. Yeah. Moving forward. How sad is that? And the Browns have, they're littered with talent. Littered with talent. Yeah. All right. I'll get us to our final, I'll get us to our final takeaway here. And I hope this isn't his last, but if it is, Eli goes out in New York in the way in which he will be remembered which is as a winner. Barkley to the right of Manning in a shotgun set. Manning on a play fake. Looks right, throws right, passes. Caught by Tate. Makes a man miss to the 20, 15. He's to the 5. Backs into the end zone for a touchdown. 51 yards, Manning to Tate. I, 
got something I want to pass along after uh, on what happened right after that particular play right there, DJ. But a uh, few things about my pal Eli here, which, uh, you know, obviously we've made uh, yep. no reservations about uh, on this show. Like I'm, I'm very close with the family, <laughs> um, buddies with Eli. And so his, here's what I'll say. Uh, in this, the NFL's 100th year, we've been celebrating all kinds of top moments and plays and players in the history uh, of the game, and rightly so. And I think one of the lists that we don't have that Eli would appear on is the list of top faces of the franchise because in New York, nobody has done it better than Eli has. Nobody has handled being the franchise quarterback in the country's number one media market um, better than Eli has. And it was awesome to see the Giants fans and the Giants organization as a whole show him that kind of respect yesterday and, and recognize him throughout the game. Was it his best stat line? No, no, it wasn't. But was it enough to win? Yes, and that's how he should and likely will be remembered in New York as a winner, a two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he'll go down as the only quarterback in NFL history to upstage Tom Brady on the game's biggest stage twice. No one else will be able to claim that feat. Uh, were there some lean years in between the Super Bowls and after the Super Bowl? The last one? Absolutely. But he was the same guy throughout all of it, whether they were 11 and 5 or 5 and 11. Um, and I thought this quote from uh, his dad, Archie Manning, who was there in the stands, uh, kind of put it really well. Um, he said, I hate to say this about Eli. I hate to say that he doesn't give up <clears throat> crap. But about a lot of things, he doesn't give a crap, uh, Archie said. And then uh, yep. he also went on to say, I've heard people tell me that if Peyton played here, he'd have choked some of y'all talking about the, uh, the media. I went on to say, your children, <laughs> your, your, your children are different. Uh, it's a great call there from Arch because he wasn't always the quarterback they wanted in New York, but he was always the guy and the teammate, teammate that they needed in New York. Um, he was always available for his teammates, a true Ironman and the same man Sundays, Mondays, Fridays, win or loss, winning season, losing season, a steady hand the entire time in New York. He never made the game about himself, although his teammates certainly made this game about him, because as we showed you and as I alluded to after that Golden Tate touchdown catch, the first thing Golden Tate did after crossing the goal line was make a beeline to Eli Manning and hand him the football. Um, I think everyone kind of knew that this might, in fact, be his final start, at least in New York. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And then maybe Eli gave them one last gift. He gave his teammates one last gift because Pat Shermer handed him the game ball. They all wanted a speech and they got one. And at the end, uh, you know, Eli said, celebrating a win in here with you guys is still the best feeling in the world. I'll see you on Wednesday. And <laughs> I, I thought that was great. Cause I was like, Oh, that's Day nice. Off. That's nice. He and, he and Pat Shermer had orchestrated this. And Shermer said afterwards, it was like, no, I was not inclined to give anybody the day off where, you know, we're a three win football team, but I wasn't going to argue with him on this day. And so Michael Thomas was That's asked fine. about this after the game. And uh, and he goes, Eli for president, right? Uh, well, maybe not president, but to <laughs> me, he is the greatest quarterback in Giants history uh, and one of the best big game quarterbacks we've ever seen. And in my book, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think all that's true. I think he will be a Hall of Famer. I think when you think of the New York Giants, if you just said first player that pops into your head, New York Giants, I think it would be Eli LT Man. would be yeah, the LT, first yep. one that people would say, and I think Eli would be number two. I, I really think that's the, kind of the two. You talk about the faces of an organization, different eras, obviously, um, Super Bowls for both. Um, but, man, it's uh, 
He's been there. Gosh, Rhett, you go back 2004. I mean, we're 2019. That is a yeah. long, long, long run uh, with a franchise. I, look, I hope he get, hope he does what he wants to do. I know sure. there's some talk that he, you know, maybe he goes play somewhere else for a year. But man, he just feels like as somebody who grew up in San Diego who watched a guy like Tony Gwynn. Like I just, he didn't belong in any other right. colors. And I feel like with Eli Manning, I almost like to see him say, you know what, let's uh, go do whatever you want to do. Uh, whatever, yeah, you know, he'll be successful. Whatever he wants to do, no question. But take that next step. And I don't really want to see Eli Manning in another jersey just selfishly there all right well that's going to do it for us got through the takeaways Rhett great to have Bucky uh, joining us from afar but he will be back tomorrow for the Senior Bowl roster reveal show Uh, that'll be coming your way so be on the lookout for that that's going to do it for us we appreciate you guys listening watching we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks presented by AARP thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. 
It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 